0: Oh, thanks guys thanks Ben. How awesome is our worship team? Let's give a big round of applause and uh, so cool. how you doing? Good to see you and uh, it's been uh, been away a couple of weeks was over in India and uh, that was an experience and uh, one of the things I learned about India uh, is that they don't mind where they go to the bathroom. And uh, they actually have signs up. I was, was, we're driving down the main highway and in the medium strip there's a wall and there's signs all the way along the wall which says, do not go to the toilet here. And so there were people, there were people that would just go to the bathroom in the middle of the road. Praise God. It was almost like Narang. And so, oh, no, just kidding. So, I'm sorry, Reese and Holly, I apologize. And um but you know, anyway, praise God I live at Narang. And Pastor Rob Giluk's not here, so I can say whatever I want. because uh, he thinks Narang is the promised land. So anyway uh, so it's so good uh, to be home. The other thing I mentioned this morning at church was that last time I went to India, I actually had uh, picked up a parasite, you know, and a bit of a tummy bug and that sort of thing. And, so, and then this time, after about five days, uh, my belly started going a little bit funny. And uh, if you've ever been uh, to a bathroom in Asia, you will know that you've got the toilet there uh, and you've got a little hose next to it. And uh, I remember when I first went there and I saw that little hose, I was thinking, why is that hose there for? But then after four days when my tummy was playing up, I found out what the hose was for, and uh, which was great. Pray, thank God for that little hose. So uh, anyway, uh, it's good. I just needed to get that off my chest before I shared with you tonight. Uh, just to, you know, like it's hard, you know, it's hard to stay focused, you know, when you're thinking about things like that. So anyway... Uh, Praise God, good to see you. Um, Also too, I just want to mention one other announcement actually uh, and that is that uh, we are obviously running our internship again for next year and what we do is that the students go and do their education at IC College uh, in Brisbane and it's been absolutely brilliant. Our interns have been doing, you know, been having a fantastic time and God's been transforming their life but IC College actually have an open night coming up in November. And so if you're interested in checking that out, you can go up there with either Ethan Gange or Ash Rogers. Ethan, where are you, mate? He's disappeared. Okay. So see, Ethan... Or Ash, if you're interested in going and checking that out, um, and feel free. And I'll tell you, if you, God is calling you to go and do that, you will have an incredibly transformative experience. You talk to any one of the interns, Jarell, Sean, uh, or Ethan, uh, about and Sarah about it, and you will find that God has done incredible things in their life. So if, you're, if God's speaking to you about that, I encourage you to go and do that. Uh, before I share, uh, I also had a couple of words for a couple of people. So I thought it's best to uh, say it. Uh, and so the first person I had word for was actually uh, Emily Christian and Emily's wearing her prophecy shirt tonight so if you ever want a prophecy wear a shirt like that because uh, you're sure to get <coughs> a prophecy uh, and Emily, uh, I just uh, felt the Holy Spirit say that he begun a good work and you will bring it to completion and I felt like God has given you I don't know what the area is but I felt like the Lord say he's giving you a partial breakthrough in an area but hadn't completed it it was a little bit like that person who was blind and Jesus actually put mud on his eyes and he and then took it off and he said to him what do you see and he said I see men like trees walking so he had a partial breakthrough not a full one then Jesus prayed for him again and he got fully restored sight I felt God say you received a partial breakthrough but in the new year God's going to give you the completion of it that you're going to receive the full breakthrough uh, in the new year Uh, Jamie Hawkins How are you, mate? It's good to see you. Uh, I just had a picture of you, actually, and I saw that there was something that, there was an area of your life, and I don't know whether it's business or anything like that, but there was an area of your life which was at one point was fully flourishing and just going gangbusters. And then I saw that it's actually dissipated and died down. And you've contemplated and thought to yourself, do I need to remove this? Do I need to actually get rid of this? But, and, you know, is it time for me to focus on something else? But I, helped, I saw that I saw the Lord actually breathe on it. It was like a fire that had been burned down, gone down to embers. And then I saw the Lord breathe on it and reignite and re- make re-fruitful something that was once fruitful and slowed down. Something that you were thinking of just saying, okay, time to give that up. And I just felt God say, no, no, he is going to now refire it. And he's going to bring life to something which looks like it's dying. Um, and then the other person was uh, Casey Lee uh, Morris. Um, and I had a picture and my grandfather used to listen to a transistor radio. And so tra- the transistor radio is one where you've got the dial and you've got to dial in to the uh, radio station. Um, and and, and it, sometimes, you, you know, go across it and miss it and come back. And, and, and then, you, then, then when you land on it, it's like it's all crystal clear and you can hear clearly. And I heard the Holy Spirit say that, that I saw that over the last 18 months you've been doing this and so not sure. And then I just saw that now, heard the Holy Spirit say you're dialed in. And then I felt God say that over the next few months, you're about to receive a flow of revelation like you've never received before that you're going to hear his voice more clearly than ever before and that it's time for you to make sure that you write those things down. There will be a season before the time you, between the time you write it and the time you're going to be able to declare it, but I just felt God say that that season right now, just like an open heaven over you and there's like a dialing in happening and God's about to drop things in your heart. Don't take it for granted. Write those things down because there will come a time where you'll get the opportunity to actually share them to a much wider audience. Okay, praise God. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 1 Samuel chapter 16, I'm going to read verses 1 to 13. 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 to 13. And it says this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? "'Fill your horn with oil and go. "'I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, "'for I've provided myself a king among his sons.' "'And Samuel said, "'How can I go? "'If Saul hears it, he will kill me.' "'But the Lord said, "'Take a heifer with you "'and say, "'I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. "'Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, "'and I will show you what you shall do. "'You shall anoint for me the one I named to you.' "'So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. "'And the elders of the town trembled at his coming "'and said, "'Do you come peaceably?' And he said, Peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Praise God. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shama pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, "Are are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he, was, now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you're not like a man who looks at the outward appearance, but you actually look at our heart. And I just ask and pray, Lord, help us to be people, have the kind of heart that you're looking for. I thank you and praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this story because it talks about the promotion of David. He's actually anointed as a boy to eventually become king. Now, there's a significant period of time between now, this moment and when it actually happens. But make no mistake that God actually anointed him to be the next king of Israel. And the reason why God chose him, the scripture tells us, is because God looked at his heart. So when God's looking to promote, He doesn't actually look at the, uh, look at your connections. He doesn't actually look at your gifts or abilities. He doesn't look at how many people that you actually know. He actually looks at our heart. How awesome is that? Yeah. This actually gives us the key to pro- promotion in the kingdom of God, that man may look at the outward appearance, man may look at your bank balance, but God doesn't look at those things. God actually looks at... The heart. Isn't that awesome? I mean, God actually bypassed all his brothers. His dad didn't even bring him towards the priest, you were, uh, towards the prophet. You know, you would think that, you know, oh, I need someone to be able to promote me. I need someone to put their hand upon me. But there was no one that was promoting David. He was living in absolute obscurity. He didn't even have the affirmation of his parents. And yet even then God was able to promote him because God is looking through to and fro across the earth. You might feel like that no one notices you. You might feel like that nobody sees you. You might wonder, how are the dreams in my heart going to come to pass? I'm here to let you know that even if man doesn't see it, God does. And God is looking at your heart. That God is looking at what's on the inside of you to determine whether he will be promote us into the things that God actually has for our lives. Man may look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's an awesome word for us here on the Gold Coast because man is always looking at the outward appearance here. Sometimes people think you've got to look a certain way in order to get ahead of life, but that's not what the Scripture is telling us. The Scripture tells us that man may look at the outward appearance, but God looks at your heart. Man may look at the angles on your Instagram profile, but God is looking At your heart. And so we can see here that as Christians, if we want to get ahead to fulfill all that God has for our lives, then we need to make sure that our heart's right. And so the question is this if God's looking at our heart, what is it He's actually looking for? What is it in our heart that God is looking for that He bypassed all of David's brothers and chose to promote David? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's actually what I want to talk to you tonight. I want to talk to you about what God is specifically looking for in our hearts in order to put us in a position to promote and help us to fulfill the destiny that He has for our lives. The first thing that God is looking for in our heart is actually the motives and the integrity of our heart. The motives of our heart. Proverbs 16 verse 2 says this, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Isn't that interesting? We can't tell why people do what they do, but God actually can. And God is not only interested in what we do, He's actually also interested in why we do it. He's actually looking for us to not only have pure actions, but He's actually looking for us to actually have pure motives. Why we do what we do. Notice this, Psalm 78:72. it's actually talking about King David. And it says this, So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with the skillfulness of his hands. It says here that David had integrity in his heart, purity of motive in his heart. And then the scripture tells us elsewhere that God's promoted him because of what's in his heart. So obviously his purity of motive and his integrity is one of the reasons why God actually promoted him. That's why sometimes... God makes us wait a lot longer than what we want before he gives us some of the things that we're actually desiring. That's why the Bible says the promises of God are inherited through faith and through patience because he wants to purify our motives to make sure that actually our heart's right. That's why there's times when he'll tell you about something he's gonna do in your life and then he'll wait. And sometimes he makes us wait because he wants to make sure that we would have the heart, the integrity, and the character to handle what God actually has for our life. God wants to bless us abundantly, but he doesn't want those things to destroy us. And so it's our integrity and it's our motives that will help us to continue on in the long haul for the things that God has for us. You may remember last time I spoke to you about four or five weeks ago, and we talked about the Destiny equation, and we actually talked about the things actually God does to prepare us for our future. It says in Romans 5 3 to 5, we glory in tribulation because tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance produces character. And so, character is actually formed, purity of heart and purity of motive is actually formed by being patient and by, by being persistent even in the midst of difficult times. God actually wants us to be people who actually have a purity of heart. I know myself uh, in my life, there's been a number of times where God has made me, made me wait longer than what I wanted because of my motives. Uh, and on the outside, people would not even know that my motives were impure. But God knew that my motives were impure, and He wanted to wait until those motives had actually been purified. Um, I remember I was at a conference one time and a friend of mine was running, it was a youth conference, and there was hundreds of kids there. And at the time, my youth group was very small. And I was like really discouraged when I actually went there. I said, Lord, how come he's you've given him a big youth group and my youth group's really struggling? And and at the time we were having a real power move of God in our youth group. So the power of God was always present and touching young people's lives. And we were having really long meetings as well, because God was just really moving in their hearts. And, and and I said to I remember I was in the middle of this conference. And I was saying, Lord, you know, it's not fair. You know, um, you're moving powerfully. Whenever we want to see you touch young people's lives, the power of God's hitting them all the time. But when it comes to growing a youth ministry, that's not actually working. Why isn't it working? And he said, well, because your motives are wrong. And he said, why do, you want, why do you want to see my power move? And I said, well, I just love seeing your power move because it's touching people's lives. He goes, that's right. Why do you want to have a big youth group? And I was like, would have me look good. <laughs> and he said, until that goes away, I'm not going to give it to you. And so I had to persist. And then eventually it stopped being as big a deal for me. And the motives were purified. I was more interested in seeing young people touched and changed, more interested in seeing young people come into the kingdom of God. And it was at that moment then our youth ministry exploded. Make no mistake, man looks at the outer appearance, God looks at the heart and he's looking at the reasons why we do what we do, which is why there are times he allows us to be in difficult places to see how we will react, so to see what's on the inside of us. Everyone can come, every one of us can come across like we're really awesome and really great when things are going our way, but when things don't go our way, when things aren't working the way that we want, that will be a true test to see what's on the inside of us. He gave David this prophecy... But David actually waited like another 17 years before it was fulfilled. So he said, man looks at the old appearance, God looks at the heart, he anoints him to be king, and then he waits a really long time. And could you imagine if he became king at the age of 15? Could you imagine that? Go get me McDonald's. Go do what I want you to do. If but he made him wait until he was 30. Why? So he would not abuse... The power that God was giving him. Because he waited until he was in that kind of position where he would use that power for the good of the nation, not merely merely to aggrandize himself. That's why I love the story about one time when David, and David was a great leader, and his followers would do almost anything for him. And he said, Oh, I wish I could have a drink from that well that's over in that town. And then and and to go to that well, because it was guarded by enemies, and yet some of his mighty men said, You know what? The boss wants some of that water we're going to get him some of that water. So they risked their lives to go and get him the water and bring it back to him. And when he got it, he's like, boys, you shouldn't have done this. That's just too much. And he realized that would be abuse of my power for you to do that. So what did he do? He didn't drink it. He tipped it out. I reckon if he was 15, he would have scolded and said, go get me another. But God had waited until his heart was right before the prophecy actually came to pass. I want to encourage somebody here. I want to let somebody know God hasn't forgotten you. That promise he made to you, he actually means it. And now you might be going through a difficult season. I'm here to let you know you're probably closer than your promise than ever before. Because he's working on our hearts. He doesn't want the promises to destroy us. And he's actually working on our hearts right now. God looks at the motives and the integrity Of our heart. That is why for some of us, he allows little small tests of obedience for us to prove that we're ready for the things that he actually has for us. The next thing that he's actually looking for in our heart is actually the obedience of the heart. The obedience of the heart. You know, I've heard people preach on this and they've said, you know, Man looks at the appearance appearance, but God looks at the heart. And he was known as a man after God's own heart. And, and so people would say, oh, well, you know, it's because he was such a worshipper that he was considered a man after God's own heart. But the scripture actually tells us in the book of Acts why God considered David a man after his own heart. And it's actually found in Acts 13, 22. It says this, I have found, and it's talking about the Lord. The Lord is quoted as here. And he says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. For he will do everything I want him to do. How do you know you've got a heart after God? It's obedience. It's actually obedience. That's the sign of having a heart after God. It's not how much you worship, although it's important to worship, it's actually obedience. And the Christian life is one that is great freedom and liberty, but there are moments we have to prove ourselves obedient to God. You know, I did a message last year in our church in the morning from Psalm 37 and talked about the five times where David actually said, if you do something, you'll inherit the earth. Now, if anyone knows anything about inheriting the earth, it's David. And one of the things he said is this. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And that word meek actually means strength under control. I used to think it meant that you were weak. You know, if you're weak in a doormat, you know, then you'll inherit the earth. But that's not what the word meek means. Meek means strength under control. It means that you will obey God regardless of how you feel like it. Uh, I read one commentator who said it's someone who doesn't remove themselves from the dealings of God. And so he understood, he even mentioned it there in Psalm 37, that if you're meek, if you will be obedient to God regardless of how you feel, then you'll actually position yourself to inherit the earth. And some of those are even private moments of obedience, ones that other people don't know about. I've had a number of times in my life where there's been a private moment where God has spoken to me about being obedient in a particular area, and I just know there's more to this that actually this is probably somewhat of a test even. I think I've told you the story before about when I used to work for Converse footwear. And I also used to work, we used to have um, the brand Starter there. I don't know if you've seen the brand Starter. Uh, And so we used to sell that. This was back in the early 90s. And so... And Starter was a really popular brand at the time, and, and all the American uh, sporting teams were sponsored by Starter. And so we used to sell all these caps and all these jerseys and jackets and that sort of thing. And, and so because I, I worked in the warehouse, I used to get it really cheap. And so I used to actually get, the, if there was something that was going to get thrown out, I got it at cost price. So I was getting like $300 jackets for like 60 bucks. And so me being a big mouth was letting people know all about that, even though it was only supposed to be for myself and my family. And so I just had one time a guy come up to me at church, and I didn't even know the guy very well, and he said, oh, I heard you can get cheap starter gear. My friends want want to know if they can buy stuff through you. And um, And I was like, you know, because I was you know pretty insecure I didn't say no to people when I should have Uh, I said oh yeah okay you know and 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 they said oh can you get us this kind of jacket and and I could get it for about 70 bucks and I said you know what I'm doing these people a favor I'm going to put a little bit on top and I said yeah I can get it to them for 120 bucks and he said that's a good price no worries and so they gave me the 120 bucks and I went and got it and I gave it to him and he gave it to his friends and I thought hey it's win-win all round you know I'm taking my cart they're getting it cheaper than they would in the shops and that sort of but my heart was so convicted, and I remember the Holy Spirit really spoke to me, and He said, "You've got to return to them that point, that portion of money." Now you can say no to people in the future, but you need to give that. He, he told me to give the fifty bucks to them, and so I thought, well, you know, I don't even know who they are. I was working through the middleman, and and uh, but. Uh, cut a long story short, I actually found out who they were and where they lived. And then i really felt convicted. I felt the Lord say, I want you, you need to do this. So I wrote a letter to them and I put the money in the envelope and I went and I put it uh, in their letterbox. Uh, and I didn't, you know, and I didn't hear anything from them. And, and to be honest, it wasn't even about something between me and them. I just knew that I have to do this. And you know what? No one would know and no one else would care. But I just have a feeling there are moments when we're Christians that God requires us to be obedient, even in private. And I just think whenever we do that, we actually pass a test and we position ourselves and we prove that we've got a heart after God. And I don't know who I'm talking to. And yes, God loves you. And yes, God wants to bless you. And yes, God's favour on your life. But when he asks you to do something, he actually expects us to do it. He's not asking us how we feel about it. You know, I know that he's our friend, but he's also the Lord. And there are times when he will ask us to do something and even cause a test to come before us. But he's doing that to show us that he wants to trust us with actually more. When I was a kid, there was a movie called Willy Walker and the Chocolate Factory. And basically, there was this, um, you know, and so there was all these kids who won golden tickets and were able to go and see this magical chocolate factory. And I I remember thinking to myself, that would be just the greatest thing. Uh, One of the kids was named Augustus Gloop. uh, And he was a big kid. And he actually was drinking from the chocolate fountain and got stuck in the pipes. And I remember thinking to myself, that's actually what I would do. If I'd gone there, there was a chocolate fountain there. I'd be on my hands and knees and I'd be just drinking uh, from that thing. But what had happened was that one of the kids, whose name was Charlie Bucket, uh, who was a very, very poor kid, He got approached by a man, and this man was from a rival lolly factory and said, I want you to get the Everlasting Gobstopper. And if you get that for me, I'll give you some money. And so what had happened was, in the end, Charlie Bucket was the last kid left in the chocolate factory on the tour because he was the only one that didn't do something silly and abort the rest of the time in the chocolate factory. And he goes up to see Mr. Willy Wonka and Mr. Willy Wonka talks to him and, and, and you know, is basically kicking him out of the chocolate factory. And then, uh, and then Charlie Bucket walks off and then he comes back with the everlasting gobstopper. His dad says to him, you know, you could just go and give it to this guy, this guy will look after you. And he said, no, I shouldn't do that. He came and he gave it back. And he gave it back to Willy Wonka. And Willy Wonka stopped what he was doing and looked at him and said, My dear boy. And basically, what had happened was Charlie Bucket had just passed the test. He was wanting, because Willy Wonka was wanting to pass on the whole factory to somebody. And he wanted to give it to someone who was honest. And he wanted to give it to someone who had integrity of heart. And basically, that was actually a whole setup. One of his employees went around as a test to see who could be trusted with the entire factory. It says in Psalm 37, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. God's got more of the earth for you. But if we prove faithful in some of these things, and I've gone so much longer on this point than I was going to go. But I just really felt there's somebody here and God is speaking to you about something. You're like, well, why do I have to do that? Who cares? God loves me anyway. He's going to bless me. God wants to trust you with so much more than what you've got right now. God has got so much more for you and he's looking for people who are obedient. It says about David, here is David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Because he will do everything. everything. Not just the things you feel like doing. He will do everything I want him to do. Amen. That's good preaching. Okay, next thing is this. Psalm 50. uh, The third thing God God is looking for is the tenderness of the heart. The tenderness of the heart. Psalm fifty-one, seventeen, says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. He's looking for the tenderness of the heart. He's looking for a heart that will actually be sensitive. And this tenderness is actually talking about tenderness before the Lord. He's actually looking for someone who will have a tender heart and a tender conscience before God. That's what he's looking for here. This is the major difference between David and his predecessor, Saul. If you look at the list of sins that these men did, what David did was far worse than Saul. David committed adultery and then he basically murdered the um, the lady's girlfriend's husband. That's what he did. And yet Saul, all Saul did was basically do some offerings out of order. And yet the kingdom was stripped away from Saul and David is called, as a, a, called a man after God's own heart. Why is that? It's because of the difference in the way they responded to the God's correction. So when Samuel spoke to Saul and told him off, Saul had a hard heart and he was not responsive or repentant. He was more interested in covering up his sin and making sure that other people didn't know about it. You can always tell if someone's not really repentant, they're more interested in other people knowing about it than they are in actually getting right with God. That's actually a classic example of someone who's not truly repentant. Yet when David was confronted with his sin by the prophet Nathan... David repented and he, got, and he realized he had done the wrong thing. His response to that confrontation was a sign that he actually had a tender heart. And that is one of the reasons why God allowed him to actually be promoted. Not only that, I'm a firm believer that God is wanting our hearts to be tender towards the needs of other people. God is merciful and he wants us to be merciful uh, as well. I know myself, one of the major things that actually transformed me was when we went through the Brisbane floods of 2011. I'll be honest with you, before the Brisbane floods of 2011, I really struggled with any kind of empathy. Like if people were struggling or suffering, I actually did not, it did not compute with me. I realise now looking back that I actually had a very hard heart. But after going through that difficult time, from that moment on, I could identify with people. Because once you've suffered through something, then you can identify with other people's suffering as well. It was amazing. Even going and preaching places after the flood, I would continually have people coming up to me saying, that you're different. Basically, they were saying, you're a nicer person now. And one of the major reasons was through that difficulty... Of having gone through it, God wants us to be people. He, God, has no problem with us having levels of emotion. If you're a male in this place, there's no problem with it if, if there's times where God touches your heart to the point of crying. I know that there are times when we think that we're supposed to be really hard-hearted and that sort of thing, and really tough and macho. But God is actually looking for people who will have a tender heart number of years ago, Trisha tricked me um, into going to a particular movie. She said, I want to go to the movies. I said, sure, what movie do you want to go to? And she said, it was, this was a long time ago, maybe about 10 years ago, uh, and she said, oh, it's a movie called The Holiday. Now, if you know anything, and, and I said, oh, is that, a, is that a movie for blokes? She goes, oh, yeah. And we get in there, we sit down, and it's a total chick flick. And I'm sitting there, I looked at her, and I said, you tricked me into watching this movie, you know, and it had Jude Law in it and Cameron Diaz and that sort of thing. But the funny thing I noticed was Cameron Diaz, she couldn't cry, her character couldn't cry, and she'd be there and upset and she's like trying to cry and then nothing would come out. And then at the end, she had this real breakthrough and she started crying and tears came out and she was really happy because now she could eventually uh, cry. Her ability not to cry was actually a little bit of dysfunction, you know what I'm saying? God is looking for people who don't ha- who will have a tender conscience, so people who will have a tender heart, a tender-heartedness towards Him, but also a tender-heartedness towards other people. I believe God has called kings to actually be a tender-hearted community. God is sending us into places. He's trusting us. We're going into Logan, and where there's going to be a lot of needs there, and God has not called us there to just strut around and you know not be interested in the needs of the community. God wants us to be interested and be touched by the needs of other people. And that's truly representative of him. David was somebody who was contrite and broken in heart. It actually says it there in Psalm 51. And then the Bible says he is someone that had a heart after God. And man may look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. There's somebody here. I here. Mean, I just felt the Holy Spirit just say to me too, there's somebody here and you've been told a long time to toughen up because of sometimes some of the sensitivity that you might have. I'm not talking about offense. Offense is different. But there's somebody here, you have a level of sensitivity and you've been told to toughen up. I want to bind those words off you right now. Your sensitivity is one of the great things that God has given you. A sensitivity to other people's needs. A sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. A sensitivity to others. God doesn't want us to be hard-hearted people. He wants us to have a tender heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And the last thing that he's looking for in our heart Says in Psalm 37, verse 4, which is written by David. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So he's not actually just looking at our hearts to find out what's wrong with them. He actually is also looking at our hearts at the desires in there. Now, this passage of scripture, Delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. It actually means that as you delight yourself in him, your desires start changing. And your heart starts lining up with him. And he starts dropping desires in your heart. And those are things he actually wants to see come to pass. And so there's some people here and you've got some desires that God put in your heart and you're feeling a level of frustration and a level of angst and thinking, is this ever going to happen? Well, the scripture here tells us if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll actually give you the desires of your heart. Now, one of the things I've learned is this, though. That very often from the moment God puts something in your heart to the time it actually comes to pass is actually a very long time. That there are times when he puts something in your heart and it takes longer than what he actually wants us to have. That's why as Christians, one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. That as Christians, we should be... Now, we're an instant generation. We want things now. We want it to happen very quickly. But God isn't always into microwave miracles. There are times when he likes doing a bit of slow cooking as well. And there are some things that He actually is going to bring to pass in our life, but not always at the time that we actually expect. But just because you haven't received what God has promised yet does not mean it's not going to come, for the, come to pass. If you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And I feel to encourage someone tonight that God has put something in your heart a long time ago and it looks dead and buried. And I just felt God say that come 2020, that God is actually going to start bringing that thing to pass. You might have been waiting five years. You might have been waiting 10 years. You might have been waiting 20 years. And you might have a whole lot of promises in your life that some have been there so long that they haven't come to pass yet, and you're wondering if it's going to come to pass. I'm here to let you know that we serve a promise keeper. We serve a good God who puts desires in our heart and he can see those things come to pass. One of the things I have learned about God is that you can always trust his timing. So if God has put a desire in your heart and it hasn't happened when you want it or the way that you want it, that just means God has got something better for you. That's even in the space of relationships as well. I remember back in 1998, before some of you were born, I was in a meeting and I felt God say to me, You're going to get married soon. So after that, mate, everyone was a candidate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it like he popped something open in my heart. And I was at Bible college too. And you know, what we didn't call it, it's called bridal college. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, and so I, remember think, I remember thinking, Oh, is this girl the one I'm going to marry? Is this girl the one I'm going to marry? And, and I remember I was getting a level of impatience. So the desire came. But it was only later. And after meeting Trish and things happened a little bit later, then I realised, oh, that's what God was talking about. So there's a period of waiting and a period of patience between when the desire came. It eventually came to pass, but it came to pass God's way. And I feel to encourage someone because we have a number of young adults here and God's put, uh, put marriage in your heart. Um, you, you, know the different, you know how you can tell if you've got the gift of singleness or not? Uh, Basically, it's the desire. (laughs) And there's some people here and and you've got the desire to be married and you thought it was going to be someone else and it didn't work out the way you wanted. I just felt the Lord tell me to tell you that when God says no, it's because he's got a better yes. I I like country music. And... uh, And there was a song by a guy named Garth Brooks. And uh, Garth Brooks wrote this song called Thank the Lord for Unanswered Prayers. And he was talking about how he was turning up to his 20-year high school reunion. And when he was in high school, there was a girl he was in love with at school. And he used to pray every night, Lord, I just pray, you've got to give me that girl. I want to marry her. If I marry her, I'll serve you all my days. I'll do anything, I'll serve you, Lord. And the girl he thought he was going to marry, he didn't end up marrying. 20 years later, he comes back to his high school reunion with his wife, and he sees the girl he liked at high school, and that's the title of the song, Thank the Lord for Unanswered Prayers. This wasn't in my notes, but it's for someone here. God's got better for you, mate. When God says no, He's got a better yes. He's put desires in there for a reason. And you'll look back and realize, thank God, that God's way was had in my life. Amen. There's someone here, I don't know who you are. I'm just feeling it actually in my heart right now. You're heartbroken. You're heartbroken about some kind of relationship that went south. And you thought that was the person. I'm here to let you know, mate. Thank the Lord for unanswered prayers. Take your eyes off them. You know, when God came to Samuel, this is an aside, this is bonus. When God came to Samuel and he said to him, stop mourning for Saul already. Saul had the kingdom ripped from him and Samuel was all fixated on Saul. God said, don't worry, i got someone better. His name's David. Stop mourning over Saul. There's somebody here, I don't know who you are. I'm just ranting now. I don't know who it is. There's somebody here. I don't know who you are. You're mourning over Saul. When someone's got better, God's got someone better not far from you. That's what I heard him say. And you're so fixated on that other turkey that God doesn't want in your world anymore. He rescued you. God rescued you. I don't know who this is I'm prophesying. God rescued you. And he's got someone better. You can trust him. He's a good God. If God wanted you with that other person, He would have let it happen but He rescued you and He puts desires in our heart and He sees them come to pass. Amen? You don't have to tell me who you are. It's all good. Don't elbow anyone. We serve a God who's looking at our heart for promotion. He's looking at our obedience. He's looking at our purity of motive. He's looking at our tenderness. And He's so good, He's also looking at our desires. And He'll bring them about in His way at the right time. That is the God that we serve. Amen? So what we're going to do is this. We're going to worship Him for a bit. And I do think one of the reasons why David had a heart like that was because he was a worshiper. He was someone who would spend time in His presence. And when you spend time in His presence, you become more like Him because you become more like who you hang around. And so what I want us to do right now is this. I just want us to worship him and the ice creams won't melt. It's okay. Uh, I'm just going to worship him for one more song. Casey, can we do one more song? You'll know which one to do. You'll dialed in. And we're going to do one more song and we're going to worship him. And as we do, I just felt there's some people here. Take your eyes off the past. Put your eyes on the future. We serve an awesome God. Amen. Stand to your feet right now. Lift your hands to heaven. Let's worship him. He's worthy of all our praise. In His presence is fullness of joy. He can take all your sorrows in His presence, fills you with life and joy and strength. He's an awesome God. Let's worship Him.